welcome. I'm Erin Cuthbert, footballer for Chelsea and the Scotland national team, and you're listening to the Blue Day podcast. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. Yes, folks, we are here. It is the Blue Day podcast, and for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a blue day. I am your host, Keith Lawrence, and joining us again this week, he's back. He's back for more, and he should be happy because of what happened yesterday at Craven Cottage. He's your friend of mine. It's Warren. Warren, welcome back. It's nice. Two two wins in a row, two clean sheets. The sun is shining, the birds are singing, things seem to be getting better. Well, we should be I mean, happy. Well, it was certainly a it was certainly um, a good performance last night. I think um, first off, it seemed to you could you could see where a lot of things went right last night, and you could see the sort of way that we want to be playing really i mean there was some really good points we'll get on to the actual game itself sort of like yeah minute, before before obviously before it was on that yes it was it, it was a it was a, it was a positive result um I, I the reason i wasn't expecting that so much yesterday is because um obviously we keep picking up these injuries and everything and that's what and we picked up a few last night that's why i'm still a little bit sort of like sat back in my chair about last night's performance. I'm not going to be, I'm not in a position now where I'm like, oh, like we played brilliant last night. I can see how everything's going to be fantastic. And this person was brilliant and that person and everything's going to work, right? Fulham weren't great last night. I mean, we, tactically, we had the better of them the whole game. There was a lot of occasions when Sanchez picked up the ball and we just drew four or five of them onto us and then just rolled it into Fernandez or Caicedo and they done some very nice um, interchanges of play and we just broke on Fulham. So I don't. So I'm not, I'm certainly not here to get carried away overly by um, last night's performance. But yeah, it certainly was very very positive considering we've had more setbacks since the Brighton game. You know, missing Jackson last night through suspension. Sterling's been ill. Chilwell's picked up his injury last night. Casado and Madrid both picked up injuries as well. We're asking a lot of Thiago Silva, who's nearly forty years old. We're playing new centre backs at right back, and yeah, I was. I, I'm still sat back in my chair about it. I'm certainly not getting carried away like uh, I've I've seen recently that people are saying, "Oh, wait until Broer's fit and he's a beast, and wait wait till he's unleashed." And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I I mean, I really like Broer. I'm glad he got his chance last night. You could tell he was tired, especially in the second half. I didn't remember him making one running behind when he perhaps could have. Um, deserved his bit of luck for the goal. Um, the first chance, I think, we'll uh, etch over that because he'd done well to get into the position to put it into the Thames. He was um, offside, so it don't matter. Uh, he, the linesman flag, so it's fine. He didn't know that. Um, <laughs> so I don't want to gloss over the fact that we're still in a very uh, sticky situation regarding um, the depth in our squad and the injuries that we have and some tougher games that we've coming up. The commentator mentioned it last night that our next seven games are against the teams that finished like first, second, third, fourth, fifth, seventh mm-hmm. and ninth or something, which is Arsenal, Tottenham, Newcastle, Man City, Man United and whoever else. Um, so we've got some really difficult games on the horizon. We have got some players coming back, but I suppose that I'm, I, I suppose that for the, for the intro regarding yesterday, I have reserved judgment on last night meaning anything more than we won last night we have to look we now have to go to the next game never has it been truer managers and players always say we take one game at a time I don't think that's ever been truer for Chelsea right now there's been times in the past where maybe we didn't have an amazing start to the season but we didn't we, we we were still incredibly optimistic that we would challenge for the top honours, you know, even if we didn't have an amazing start to the season and we lost two of the opening five games, which was almost unheard of for 20 years. Um, we would still be optimistic that we could go on and win things. Whereas now I have a much more reserved judgment over the matter. But yes, very, very good performance. I enjoyed it. Obviously, I assume you watched it. I assume you enjoyed watching it too. Lovely goal from Madrid. Brilliant play. Fabulous finish. It was a great finish. So, what we're going to do t- today, folks, we-, we are going to review the Fulham game, obviously, as my 
esteemed co-host has, has started out. And then we'll also look to preview our other game. This, this is away against Burnley, Saturday, three o'clock kickoff, UK time. And we looked at the team beforehand and what we normally do between you and me, Warren, and a, and a few others in our group chat, we sort of look at the lineup and we sort of go, yay, nay, rah, make a few noises thinking, oh God, what's he done again? And he sort of, there was rumours before the match that he was thinking of doing a false nine. They were saying that Brozier wouldn't be ready to start and they're thinking about maybe putting Sterling on. Well, thankfully for Brozier, Sterling had a bit of an upset tummy and he yeah. was off. He was still managed to be, to be on the bench. So Brozier started and Mudrick was on one side and Carl, I nearly called Cole him Carl, I nearly called, nearly called him Carlton Palmer. Carl Palmer was <laughs> Carl Palmer was on the right hand side. That's got to get. That's, I'm going to have to get used to that. But it's Jermaine Pickford all over again. <laughs> Not as bad. Not as bad. But I look. I, I did look at the team, but I also in the last few sort of games, I've also looked at the bench, and I know that there's been a lot of talk about how the bench has been poor in terms of the quality, in terms of. Who I don't. Can come, I, 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 who can come on to make a difference? Yeah, I was going to say for me, it wasn't so much the quality. Part of it was that that what you've just said there about who can come on and make a difference when we mm. need to, who can change, who can change the game and affect the game positively going forward and stuff. I don't think that the talent was ever in question because the talent was Uguamenku and Cole Palmer and um, Hutchinson and Matson. I don't think that I would question their talent. It was the strength in depth you can't rely on yeah. if we have four or five injuries you can't rely on all four or five of them academy players who have played 300 minutes between them for Chelsea before this season I don't think you can rely on them to come in and play week in week out 90 minutes a week I think that that was the issue with our bench sorry to cut you off but it was never it's never a case of the quality I don't doubt the quality of every single player a Chelsea player in the squad but we, we are missing a number of players like Benoit Batishil you know, we missing Ben Chilwell, James, Reese James again. We were missing we're... Jackson, Sterling. We've been missing Brony, so... and Cuckoo, yeah. Lavia. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, I mean that in itself. Cucurea, at right back and things. And well, funny enough, people, uh, you know, rightfully it was so, his best performance. Their, it was his have, best performance for Chelsea last him. night. It was I his best performance with Chelsea yeah, last I thought night. He was outstanding. I thought, uh, I thought he was very good last night. I don't think that he had the most amount to deal with. I think that we kept Fulham quiet. I think that see now the, the funny thing is, like you was gonna you was gonna start mentioning about like the the bench stuff. You was gonna start talking about the starting lineup last night and in the group chat. Unfortunately, I was busy prior to kick off, so I didn't get too in, in depth involved in the group chat. But I did like have my opinions about it that I obviously reserved for today's podcast as well. That when I looked at our team, yes, okay, so Broha probably wasn't ready to start, but it, but you know if if he was going to play the last fifty forty, if he was going to play the last forty minutes, then he could stretch himself out to an hour, and he might as well have started. And I think it was important for us to start with a striker to have a signal of intent, to have a focal point, especially because we wanted to bring Fulham on to us. I think it was important that Broha played there because he was doing what Jackson would have been doing. So I can see why he started, even though he probably wasn't ready. But when I looked at it, I thought, OK, I like Broha. Mudrick is a class player. He needs to start producing, which he did. Cole uh, Palmer, I like the look of. Fernandez, I like the look of. Casado, he's started to bed himself in. Conor Gallagher has probably been our best player this season, I would probably say. Um, I like Sanchez's distribution, and he does try and... He's brave as well, and he claims crosses. But when I looked at the whole team, my worry was at the back. My worry was we was going to dominate the ball, struggle to score, and concede a goal. Because that has been the reoccurring theme. And I looked at the defence, and I was worried. But they were solid last night. They really were. Fulham created the odd chance. Fulham have got good players. Willian and Paulinho and, you know, that Vinicius puts himself a bit, puts himself about a bit, including smashing Thiago Silva on the back of the head. You get away yeah, with it. thanks, VAR. Cheers. For yeah, that. cheers. Nice one, mate. Uh, I, I want the uh, audio and the transcripts from it, personally. Um, so, 
so not a bad for them side of finishing the top half last season and haven't had the worst start to the season at home where they've got a really good record as well. And Chelsea have got a really, really poor uh, recent record in London derbies. We'd only won one of the previous 10. We'd had a really poor start to the season. And yeah, when you see something happen over and over again, you start to notice the little, uh, the patterns in it. And I could see a pattern of it last night for a little while when Broher missed his chance and we was getting into good positions and there was the odd bad pass here and there. And then, the ball get I think it's Caicedo who popped the ball out uh to the left wing. Colwell read it really well, got round the ball really well. It was a really, really nice bit of Colwell. Play, play from Colwell. And oh what a delicious little fucking floated ball that was into Mudrick, who made a brilliant the whole move. And the it, whole move was and it was the start. Yeah, and the whole move lasted the whole move was six six and a six and a half, seven seconds. It was one pass, two touches, a floated pass, a touch a goal and it lasted six and a half seven seconds and it was a it was a lovely lovely goal it really really was and that that gave us the impetus then that gave us broha for the next 10 minutes you could see how disappointed he was to have missed that chance even though it was offside and he was getting stick from the fulham fans and he put himself about and he deserved his little bit of luck for the goal strike you, you know i don't believe in luck you make your own luck you create your own opportunities in this well, world he, he created him. that opportunity yeah he pressed him he it made him was very bad on the ball it, it was it was very bad play from Ream, but Cole Palmer read it well. And again, Fulham, this is what I mean. We'd done what we'd done very, very well, but Fulham did play into our hands as well, which is why I'm reserving my sort of enthusiasm until sort of uh, sometime after the international break. I like to sort of assess where we are um, sort of more the, the the end of October, middle of November, especially when we've had a run of tougher games. But yeah, we was but. I, I worried for the defence. I worried I, I worried for Cucurella because I hadn't seen him play particularly well for Chelsea. Diassi, I think, is a fine defender, but he's obviously still very much bedding himself in. Thiago Silva has played a lot of minutes this season and he's very old. Um, as much as he's still an incredible defender and he's still more than capable of playing, it's a lot to ask of him at the start of the season. So I was worried. I... I I don't fancy Colwell at left back either. I thought we no. was going to miss James. I thought we was going to miss James and Chilwell an awful lot last night, um, and we didn't. We didn't. We played really well. We coped with the situations really well. I think that we got Fulham very frustrated, particularly in the first half. Um, and yeah, it was it was it was a good performance. I wouldn't say any more than that. A, a positive performance, very positive performance, but a good performance. Hey guys, this is Keith Lawrence, the creator of the Blue Day podcast here, and this is a special message to tell you of one of our new sponsors for the podcast. We'd like to welcome Fanatics, the leading sports manufacturer of online licensed sportswear and merchandise. They range from football, soccer, Formula One, NBA, and so much more. Now, this is the best part. If you want to get your hands on some swag, Go to the Blue Day Podcast Facebook page at facebook.com slash the Blue Day Podcast and on our Twitter page at the Blue Day Pod for all the necessary links. Come on, what are you waiting for? Carefree. The two goals coming quite quick, I think, killed Fulham in that Mm. period because it was like within 90 seconds. As because as... we we because we are very good defensively. As much as I say that we are like the pattern is that we play really well, create chances, don't score, and concede a goal. We do generally only concede one goal. I mean, since um, especially since Tuchel come in at the very beginning a uh, couple of years ago, back in the February or whatever it was, we've had one of the best defensive records in the league. There was a little period of time when we went for a phase and conceded some goals. But I saw a very interesting. Um, I'm just gonna. I've got. I've got it here. Actually, I was doing a bit of research for the show, um, and last night I noticed it on Sky Sports. I'm sure some of our viewers and possibly yourself noticed it as well. I'm just gonna read some of it out to you. So this is Chelsea this season. In terms of average possession per game, we are first. We have the most average possession per, of all the teams in the Premier League. We are number one for crosses. We are number four for. Um, we are full highest in the league for teams creating goal scoring chances against us. So we concede the least amount of genuine goal scoring chances i i e the xg against we are set we are second in goals conceded we are seventh in xg in terms of the chances that we create we're expected to score 
at a rate of being the seventh best in the Premier League. We had a seventh best in the Premier League at turning the ball over in the final third of the opposing half. But we are 19th on two um, of the main categories that they um, put the stats out for. And that is distance covered, for which we are 19th, and goals scored, which is 19th. And that is this season. And I found that very, very interesting because it shows that to all intents and purposes, and this is proves the point that stats don't mean anything, but to all intents and purposes, we're doing everything correct. We're just conceding one goal and not scoring. <clears throat> you know, I mean, so everything has kind of been there. And last night it started to click a little bit, but I just found that fascinating. You know, I had to take a picture of it. I had to pause my TV last night and take a picture of it because I found that fascinating that everybody's saying how badly we're playing and how Pochettino's playing the wrong people in the wrong positions. I don't know what else, too much else he can do because we've gone through the injury list and the lack of the uh, depth that he's got at the minute. But, in spite of everybody saying that Pochettino's getting everything wrong and all the players are wrong and they're playing in the wrong positions and they're not playing very well and they're not doing this and there's no heart and there's no passion and there's no that and blah, blah, blah and everything. Well, actually, we are playing very well. There is just things missing at the moment. And do you know what happens to a team in transition that's gone through the most unholy upheaval that you could imagine in the last few years with COVID? And I know everyone else has been through COVID as well. But in addition to that, Roman Abramovich as well, and all the, the transfer embargo shortly before that, and everything in the last three or four years, the, the club, in the last five or six years, the club has been through the most unholy, unheard of, unprecedented turmoil behind the scenes that has would make any club or any business in the world chaotic in a bit of a circus at times. And in spite of all of that, and in spite of everybody pointing everything out that everybody else is doing fucking wrong, whilst not supporting their club, not singing songs, not getting behind their team and fucking moaning all the fucking time about everything that's going wrong. Actually, they haven't been doing too fucking badly. And no, they haven't been doing great. Do we expect more? Yes. Do we demand more? Yes. Should there be more considering the amount of money we spent? Yes. Do we, are we used to having more? Do we want more? Yes, of course we do. But must we understand everything that I've just fucking said at the same time? Yes. So get behind your fucking club. Understand that they're not actually doing as bad as you think they are. And they're doing a better job than you ever fucking could last night it annoyed me a little little bit right because there was a lot of Chelsea fans all night the Chelsea night fans were fantastic they sung a song about nearly every single player that you could fucking name that's ever had a song for the club they were brilliant all night from start to finish they wound the Fulham fans up they sung everything they was teasing they was winding up and everything and I thought these fans 10 days ago were saying that every single one of this and that and blah, blah. And yes, they're entitled to their opinions. They're entitled to moan when there's a bad performance. They're entitled to moan and everything and blah, blah. I'm not saying they're not. I'm not saying they're not entitled to go and voice their opinion and when Chelsea play badly to make their opinion. Because I will. If players are... I've given Cucurella a lot of slack. I didn't think he was good enough. Do you know what I mean? So I'm not saying that they can't do it. I'm not saying that I'm guilt-free of doing it. But they do it in a way that separates themselves from the club and the players and it separates themselves from the from the blood and the organs of the club. They're making the fans are making themselves a separate entity from the club by not recognising things. All they want to do is moan. I know we're a nation of moaners. We can't stand in a queue without moaning about it. It can't drizzle a little bit of rain without saying oh, it fucking rains every day and all the rest of it. Imagine how Manchester feels it rains six hundred and fifty four days a week there. Right? I know we're a nation of moaners, but it just really annoyed me that Chelsea fans last night, it, it felt like they was getting on a bandwagon because they won one game. That's what it felt like. It felt like a bandwagon. Do that every week. Yeah, at the end of the game, if it hasn't been good enough, let voice your frustration. Yeah, of course. And if it's a really bad performance and we get really badly turned over, I would never boo, but okay, do your thing. But do you know what? If we're missing one thing, and during all this turmoil, everything that I've just been through, we was missing a couple of things. Yeah, important things that we needed. It must be addressed. Yes, of course it must do. But we was missing a couple of things. We were missing a couple of goals from winning an extra three or four games. But nobody recognises the process that's going on. They just want the end result now. And they don't understand that's not the reality of the world. And it just it just really annoys me. It really annoys me. Sorry. You haven't had a rant on this show for a while, so I'll let you off. But I get part of your points in terms of the fan base, in terms of the expectancy. And yes, I've been a little bit guilty of it when it comes to certain players. I've been a little bit guilty of it. 
when it comes to certain performances. We all have. We all have. We all have. So last night, though, against Fulham, I thought, as you said, it was a professional performance that we haven't seen for a, for a while from that should be Everybody. that should but be that should be that that should yeah exactly that exactly that that should be the norm it should be like hopefully what i want is what all the other chelsea fans want right i want in a year two years time not much longer than that because of the amount of investment we had so re- in, in realistically the turnaround should be a bit quicker than other transitions because of the amount of investment we've had but in a year or two's time i'd like to do a podcast like this so what did you think about last night's game Warren? well you know, considering we had a lot of injuries, I thought we'd done quite well. I thought we could have got a couple of more goals. Uh, a bit disappointed to concede a couple of good chances to Fulham in the second half. But yeah, thoroughly professional performance. That's what you've got to do throughout the season. When you don't play your best football, um, you go away to Fulham, which which could be a tough place to go, and you win 2-0. That's what I want. That's my expectation for the future. Whereas Chelsea fans, uh, not Chelsea fans, at the moment, we seem to be talking about the Fulham game like we played really, really well. For the talent in our squad, despite the issues, despite the injuries and everything, no, that is the bare minimum that's expected. Conor Gallagher had a good game, but that's how he needs to play every week. If he wants to be standing captain for Chelsea and start in a Chelsea midfield with hundreds and hundreds of millions of pounds worth of players, Fernandez, Caicedo and Lavia, right? They cost what? Somewhere in the region of two hundred and seventy million pounds. I like Conor Gallagher. I mean, I was I've been a bit critical of him. I said I think that he's looked out of his depth against certain players. He's 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 very much improving. He's very determined. His attitude is absolutely correct. He's he's basically the polar opposite of Callum Hudson Odoi at the moment. His attitude is just to fucking get right stuck in and make a name for himself, right? But for him to mix it up and be a regular starter in a £270 million team. Yes, he played well last night, but that has to be every single week. And sometimes he needs to be top class as well. That's my expectation. I just think that Chelsea fans have become a little bit deluded. It's a little bit like Arsenal fans. It's like... Not they all lose of them. No, 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 but no, 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 a larger, a larger, a larger minority, in my opinion, now from what I've observed. Not, 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 all of them, not a vast majority, but a larger uh, majority than a minority for sure. It's like they lose a couple of games. Pochino's no good. This player's no good. He's out of position. He shouldn't be playing. What's going on here? Why did we buy him? Why didn't we buy them? And then we have a decent performance against Fulham. And all of a sudden, Cole Palmer's going to be the next this and Broha when he's fit's going to be this. And I'm not disputing that these things could happen. I think these are all quality players that this could happen to. But I realised this four weeks ago. Like a lot of Chelsea fans are only noticing it now because they don't see the good that's going on. And it doesn't detract away from the results. The results haven't been good enough. But it's a process. <laughs> and it's just very frustrating. It's just it's very hypocritical. And it's very you don't know Chelsea fans don't know what they're gonna say next. These Chelsea fans that we're talking about, I, I, I must reiterate the point. You was right to point out the che- the type of Chelsea fans that we're talking about, the type of Chelsea fans that I see every single day on YouTube, interviewing people outside the ground, and just pandering to mainstream media to increase their views and increase their popularity and increase their subscribers. And good luck to them. You know, I wish people the best of luck. Some people are out there to become rich and famous. Um, yourself and I and the people associated with this podcast are doing it for the love of the podcast, the love of the, the club, the love of football and for the social aspect as well, because we very much enjoy it. We do. Um, but it's just that different sort of mentality. And, and that's the thing. They want to be rich and famous and they want to support Chelsea because they think that Chelsea are going to win loads and loads of trophies. I want to support Chelsea because I love Chelsea. Yes. I want us to win trophies and everything, but in the, in the end, does it really, really matter if we win trophies or not? No, of course it doesn't. To these fans, it does. Rant number two over. Well, you are on a, you are definitely on a run today. Um, well, I want to switch gears a little bit. You mentioned Carl Palmer. Some people, mm. as you said, and to be fair, they Carl's had a bit of a, a slow start to his run at Chelsea because when he first came in, he wasn't starting. He was on the bench for a little bit and he was coming Yeah, I don't think I don't think he was fully fit. I don't think he was fully fit either. My judgment on him, I will reserve until a later date because I think that there's yes. still 
some tweaks to his game that I think, you know, I want to see how he gets on against the top sides, as you said, like a Newcastle, for example, away, or a Tottenham or a Liverpool, whatever. So I think Carl did well, but let's see how he gets on against the top sides. He's come from. City I think. I think. He, I think he'd done well. I think he'd done well, but but the, the thing with Carl, he did do well last night. He did play well. He certainly um, let it be known that he can play out there, and he's a good player, and he linked the play out well, and he understood the system very well. But tell me something that he done. Even our viewers in their heads at the moment are trying no, to think. No, I think... I, he I, played well without doing a lot. In terms more of... To, he, he certainly needs to bring a lot more to his game. He helped... I, I Again, it's something that we didn't see a lot last season. I felt he helped Colwell in terms of defending... Cucurella. Cucurella. No, Cucurella was right back. Yeah, and Cole Palmer played on the right. Madrid played on the left. There was some... There were sometimes they Carl, interchanged. They, they interchanged. They, they did interchange. When I saw Carl on the left hand side, he tracked back and helped. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he always work. does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, but we didn't see that a lot last season with our wide players. I'd say he's quite. He gets quick... closer to him and Mudrick get closer to the centre forward than our players did last season. People like. Ziyech, who like to drop short and come inside. Pulisic, who who more often than not like to run in behind rather than go in behind with the ball. And other players like Hudson Adoya, again, used to like to... He used to like to get closer to the byline than Ziyech, but he used to like to cut back as well. But they were very, very wide players. Now, Palmer and Mudrick are very wide players, and they get chalk on their boots. But they also come in and link the centre-forward. Last night... Cole Palmer and Mudrick were probably 10 yards closer to the centre-forward or whoever was in the centre-forward position than our wingers would have been last season. And I think that's quite a big difference. And I think that's and a really positive effect for us. And that helps us turn the ball over higher as well. That helped Brozier when it came to yeah. holding the ball up and finding yes. out, right, who's there? OK, Mudrick's yeah. there. Because he only needed one, t- he only needed one touch to control it, to pass it. Whereas last season, you was having to beat a player to link it. Absolutely. It was better. It was better last night. Folks, we interrupt this show by uh, wanting to tell you about our sponsor, Manscaped. We are delighted Manscaped are part of the Blue Day podcast. They have the tools for your family jewels. You don't want smelly nuts. You want to impress your wife, your girlfriend, or in fact, your mistress. Well, look no further than Manscaped. Yes, folks, Manscaped are back. The best in male grooming. Manscaped are committed to helping men around the world walk and talk with some swagger this season with the best grooming tools on the market. Join the 9 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and enjoy this exclusive offer. 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code BDP. That's Blue Day Podcast. Promo code BDP at manscaped.com. Don't neglect your beautiful self and get right this year with Manscaped. With this offer, you will get the slickest version of the Performance Package 4.0, the perfect package that will deal with your package. It comes with the Lawnmower 4.0, equipped with skin-safe technology to minimise nicks and cuts for your nuts. It also comes with the Crop Reviver Groin Spray. I can tell you from experience, this has taken my confidence into the bedroom to a whole new level. Not only do I smell good, but it also helps out in terms of the bedroom department as well. Want something you don't mind showing that's special someone in your life? Look no further than the Manscaped Boxers 2.0. These are without a doubt the best boxers for men of all ages. I can confidently say I'll never go back to cotton boxer briefs after wearing these. Once again, folks, Manscaped supports the Blue Day podcast so much that they provided an exclusive offer for our listeners. That is you, by the way. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code BDP. At manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code BDP. Feel like yourself again and take charge of your life with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you for it. 
I'm hoping it's not going to be rant number three, but I do want to bring it up as it's sort of partly breaking while we are recording, and that is uh, that Ben Chilwell, it seems, is going to be out for two months mm-hmm. because of a hamstring injury. Again, it's another season where um, Ben's going to be out for a while. Yeah. Uh, I think this is the third season in a row now that he's gonna, that he's been out for a while. Similar. To I can't Rich remember. James. I can't. I can't remember him playing ten games in a row or anything. Um, <laughs> is there a bigger issue with this? Is this something that Chelsea? Well, I think this is. Yeah, this is in I, absolutely future transfer Abs- windows and. <laughs> again, I don't think so much the transfer. I don't think so do? much transfer windows. I don't think so much transfer windows. Obviously, that always has to be a big factor and it has to be looked at, but. This has been happening at Chelsea now for three or four seasons, maybe slightly longer. But I think it needs to be addressed behind the scenes. I think there has to be, I think it really, really has to be looked at because it seems to be happening at Chelsea as a club more than any other club. And is there something like, is is there something the physios are doing wrong? Is the medical staff not right? Is there something that's not right? Is there. Is there a barrier? Is there a cultural difference? There must be some kind of issue as to what's going on there because it can't be coincidence that we just keep on getting all of these injuries all the, all the time. Yes, you can be unlucky. Yes, you can be a team that gets quite a lot of injuries one year, but then the next year it sort of balances out and you have a good year when you don't have any injuries. And it just seems to be constant. It just can't a chill well, James. It's just it's non-stop. It's non-stop. Kovacic was always out with a little niggle or something. hudson Adoy, Loftus-Cheek... You know, it's it's just non-stop. I don't know what it is. I don't know whether they're being worked too hard through the academy. A lot of them, by the time they get to the team, they're always injured. But I don't know. What do you think? I think there does seem to be a problem, especially with Reese James and Ben Chilwell. There is conspiracy theories out there that's talking about the physios and talking about the fitness, but... I had. I don't Milan. think it's conspiracy. I just don't think something must not be good enough behind. We the had we had Milan on the other week talking about. Obviously, again, he was part of the Chelsea team and looking. He yeah, knew yeah. the physios and he knew the fitness staff and everything. And he said that there's nothing wrong with the fitness staff in as such. I think it it is partly a bit a bit of both. I believe it's a bad some bad luck. Um, but also, I do think there is something more... Because we haven't necessarily bought... We haven't necessarily bought people with histories of long-term injuries and no. having lots of injuries. No. It's not like... That's what I mean about the transfer market. I'm not sure, quite sure it's that because it, it seems to be when they arrive at our club and a lot of it seems to be academy players. I mean, Shalaba's always out injured, and for example. And like I, I mentioned some other... Academy players there, and it's just like Gilmore had quite a lot of injuries when he was at Chelsea. Little injuries, little niggling injuries. I just don't, and and like I say, Kante and lots of players come to the club, and it doesn't work for some people. And some people do just get unlucky with injuries, but it seems to be an extortionate amount of players at Chelsea in the last five or six years. It seems to be happening too. Yes, and when you look back on. Chelsea sides that were successful in both league and in Europe, we didn't have many injuries in, in many long term. Terry, Terry, Ashley Cole, Ivanovic, Czech, Lampard, Balak, Essien. Them players probably played apart from when they. If you took out the odd game here and there where they was rested, perhaps out of them players, they probably regularly played 150 games and had two or three games injured. They probably regularly played 30, 40 games and then with a few rests in there, yeah. But in terms of injuries, they'd have one injury that kept them out for two or three games every two seasons. Like, literally, they were just non-stop animals. And I know the game's different now. I know the, the players are physically more highly strung because they're designed to be the the peak athletes they need to be to be footballers. And that's slightly different to how it used to be. I know the game's changed a lot. It's like people say it's a little bit quicker. I'm not sure the game is quicker nowadays. I think it's quicker in very short little bursts. But I think that football, you don't like, you very rarely see a Wayne Rooney type player these days that's just around the pitch non stop, top, front to back, front to back, front to back, front to back. They're not, they're not built like to do that anymore, 
really. They're built for short. So I don't, I dispute that it's quicker these days, but it's certainly different. So I understand that maybe because of that, there are more likely to be some more injuries and they don't take as many risks with injuries these days either. No. And when you look back on the players, as you said, that when we had, when we were successful, they didn't pick up many injuries. When they did pick up injuries, we were affected by it because we weren't mm. that successful. When you look yeah. at Czech, when you look at John Terry, you look at Lampard, when they were out for over two months, we didn't yeah. win any. We really we suffered, win the league. Yeah. So that yeah. tells you in terms of the injuries with Reese James and Ben Chilwell, yeah, we haven't won the big ones while they've been injured because they've been injured. Mm. But you do have to look at maybe is there something more into it? But let's... From what we understand, James could be available after the international break, which you, which would be fantastic news. Chill, Chillwell probably, Chillwell probably won't be starting again until nearly Christmas, I would imagine. Yeah, and hopefully by then. Well, again, to be honest, depending on how Carwell gets on at left back, Pochettino might see him as the number one left back. But we shall see. Even yeah. We've got about five or six in the first team. <laughs> um, speaking of sort of upcoming games as well. We've got Burnley away coming up, as I, as I said, yes. at the top of the show, Saturday. At a relative, a, relative, a relatively, ha- relatively happy stomping ground for Chelsea over the years. Yeah, I was just we've, thinking, not had, I was, we've not had too uh, many issues. Banana skins at Turf Moor, touch wood, that doesn't happen. Funny enough, I was, I, was, I was thinking about this, right, how dramatically the Chelsea team has indeed changed, right? Because the last time we played Burnley away, I was there, we won 4-0. Um, I believe Havertz got a couple, Reese James got one, and I think Pulisic might have got one. Um, we scored all our goals in the second half. Now I was thinking, when we go to away to Burnley on Saturday, so there's Thiago Silva. I can't think of somebody that would have started both games other than Thiago Silva, because it would have been Mendy. It would have been Azpilicueta. It was Thiago Silva. Um, I believe he may have had like a Christiansen next to him. Um, there would have been a Reese James, obviously, because he scored. Although he may have come on at half time, I can't quite remember. But however, James won't be playing, so it's irrelevant. And neither will Chilwell, so it's irrelevant. Um, neither will Aspiliqueta. Neither will Christiansen, or who is never next to him. Neither will Mendy. There would have been a Havertz, a Jorginho, a Kovacic, a Mount. There would have been a Pulisic. There would have maybe been a Hudson Odoi or someone like that. There possibly could have been. A Saul, maybe, or even someone random like that. But apart from Thiago Silva, I can't think of somebody that's going to start on Saturday that was in the team the last time we played Burnley. And they only spent one season at the Premier League. I'm going back 18 months to March, April time, 2022. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so like, I'm only going back about that's 18 quite, months. That's quite significant when you look at it that's like that. Co- yeah, see, now, I, I found that fascinating. Like I was like, I was sat there... I think it was earlier on today. Like I said, I was sort of like doing the research in my head for the show and I was sort of thinking about different things. And I just thought, and I thought about the goal scorers that day. I thought, oh, well, Reese James ain't going to be in a team. Oh, well, neither will Havertz or Pulisic. And then I remembered that, obviously, I was right down near the front. So I remembered Mendy being right in front of me. I remember Azpilicueta. I remember singing about Kovacic. And then I was thinking, God, none of these play for Chelsea no more. I'm not sure if Kante was on the pitch that day, but Kante could have been as well. Yeah. None of these That's players play point, for yeah. Chelsea. Any, none of these people play for Chelsea anymore. I mean, there could have been a Werner. There could there could have been a Werner. There would have been a Jorginho. That you know, all these players. I mean, would Rudiger have still been at the club? Yeah, Rudiger Rudy. would have still. I don't yeah, know if he was yeah, fit. Ru- don't know Rudy if he was fit, been. but Rudiger would have been at the club. Um, yeah, insane when you think about it. Here we go. Anybody. Funny enough, I've just got the just got the lineup now as you as, as you've discussed it, right? So you've got Go Mendy, ahead. Yes. Mendy, Rudiger, yes. Thiago Silva, yes, Chalaba. It was Chalaba. Saul, Jorginho, yeah. Kante, James, Pulisic, Mount, Havertz. What was the bench? So you've got one starter. <laughs> Kovacic. Yeah. Werner. Yeah. Loftus Cheek, yeah. Ariza Balaga, yeah. Christensen, yeah. Lukaku, Ziyech, yeah. Kennedy, and Saar. So, really, 
One of them's out on loan. One of the two of them have got no more futures with the club. Thiago Silva still plays. Two players in the plays. two players in the squad. Well, one's in exile, but two players yeah, yeah. But, from that but team. Basically, everyone else is gone. Basically, everyone yeah. else is gone. That's that's and the manager and the backroom yeah. staff yeah. and the owner yeah. from that game and the owner from that game and the background staff and the transfer lady and the technical staff and the youth staff and the academy staff and the assistant managers. Very, very significant. A lot, a lot, a lot has, has happened. Changed. A lot has changed in, in, uh, in that time. But, but we should be winning now. We should be winning 5 0. This player's crap. That manager's crap. This owner's crap. What's he doing? What's that? Blah, 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 blah. Shut up, you ill informed, uneducated, unsupporting bunch of. Yes. Yeah, we'll leave it with the sniff and rather the uh, anything else. But I wasn't going to say it. Uh, I'm glad you didn't. Um, we might do after the game, though. <laughs> um, so we've got Burnley, and then you've got the international break, which will probably be a nice little respite. Um, funny enough, I'm going to England, Italy at Wembley, which will be kind of nice. So that'll oh, be nice. Kind of, yeah, nice. Be, I'm looking forward to that. So in, <laughs> back to Chelsea, though. Actually, one little thing that um, I did want to bring up, and it is this probably will be rant number three before we go. Uh, a friend of mine, actually, he has got a Club Chelsea season ticket. Oh, and right. he showed me an email that from the club, and they were talking about the dugout seats. Now, Warren, I think the last time you was on the show, we did actually discuss this because I mentioned... They switched they them were. around, didn't they? And they switched them around. Yeah, I mentioned how much the, the dugout seats were... Yeah, it was about a grand, wasn't club it? Chelsea, it was about a grand, yeah. Well, a friend of mine, Club Chelsea season ticket holder, he told me about the um, email he received from Club Chelsea talking mm. about an upcoming home game. And he was told about certain price criteria. And he told yeah. me that he's never, he, he couldn't believe that this was happening. And he, he, he showed me. And the dugout seats, you've got obviously one in on the, Home end, you've got one yeah. on the away end, right? Yes. Now, it's the same area. It's the same sort of type of seat. But yes. lo and behold, there is a price difference. Right. With the seats. Now, how they've done it, they've done it as the dugout home seat and the dugout away. The dugout away is a, around £300 cheaper than the dugout home seat, even though it's the same club Chelsea hospitality, yeah, yeah. but the seat, the price of it. Well, I, I guess, I guess the, guess, I guess, I guess the reasoning behind that is that people would rather sit with Chelsea fans than uh, Chelsea players than the away players. Therefore, there's more demand for the ticket. But that's insane. No, but the isn't price. that insane? That, 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 oh, I don't know, just... Keith. I think I can kind of understand that. I mean, would I pay seven hundred pound? Would I pay seven hundred pound to sit with Jamie Carragher and Stephen Gerrard? No, but would I pay a thousand pound to sit with John Terry and Frank Lampard? Right. Yes, I would. It, I know it, that that's that they're not there, but that you know. Here we go, right? Jamie Carragher would spit at me if I took my little sister. Brentford, twenty eighth of October, very special date because that's my daughter's birthday. Twenty eighth uh. of October, the dugout club home ticket, one thousand seven hundred and eighty pounds. The dugout club away, seven hundred and eighty pounds. So it's a grand difference. Yeah, that's insane. It's the same. You, club, it's the same. If you had enough money, you're it's, the same food. You're in the same. You're, no, no, area. no, no, no. It's different. No, no, it's different. No. It's different. I'm sorry. Well, it's like saying that you're a Chelsea fan. So would you pay to go and watch? Would you put it this? Oh, okay, this is a good example. Right. So would you go and pay, would you pay £3 if you had a choice, a straight up choice, would you pay £3 to go and watch Wimbledon against Ebbsfleet United at Wimbledon at Plough Lane? Or would you pay £45 or £65 or £55 or £75 to go and watch Chelsea at Stamford Bridge? Now, 
you do one of those. I know that you like you, you. I mean, I know that you've been attending a lot of your non-league games and your Gillingham games this season. You've been doing your scouting and stuff. So I don't want you to be pedantic and try and use one of them as an example because you know the point I'm making. Would you pay £10 to go and see Wimbledon or would you pay £70 to go and watch Chelsea? Because you pay £70 to go and watch Chelsea, for example, because you do, because you don't go to Wimbledon. You go to Chelsea. So your argument, I would argue back against you and say that you're saying it's insane that you'd pay more to be with Chelsea than you would to be with Brentford, but you do that. <laughs> it's a different argument. It's it's a valid. It's not. It's, it's not. You it's pay. Massive, you pay massive uh, different argument. No, you pay more to watch Chelsea, so you pay more to be with Chelsea. If you would you, if you had the opportunity, let's say that the money was an issue, would you go to Brentford's end of season awards? For £500, or would you go to Chelsea's end of season awards for £1,500? Which club has more value? Which club has more value? What, so you'd go to the Brentford one instead? No, I wouldn't go to either. But in I which, wouldn't pay £1,500 to, ah, to the end of season Yeah, because, 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 ni- because neither one is worth it, not because one isn't worth more than the other, because you don't think either of them are worth it. That's different. It's different thinking that neither of them are worth it than one is worth it more than the other because it's worth a different value of money. It's a completely different principle. I think they're overpriced. I think they're both overpriced. Don't don't get don't dispute that. I think that's ridiculous, <laughs> right? I think they're both I think they're both overpriced. But no, yeah, do you pay more to go with with Ch- yeah, of course you do. Do you pay if if you're hiring a car it's only a couple of feet. If you if you're you hiring can wave a car to the people in the other end. But I would rather be with the Chelsea. That's where I'd rather be. Well, and that's I'd, the preference well, and that's I'd the demand. I'd rather be at Chelsea, but we. Well, they, uh, and you do I, go I mean, to Chelsea. I'd, I'd rather be in Chelsea. I'd rather be at Stamford Bridge, but beggars can't be choosers, of course. Well, I'd rather go and sit in the shed for 55 quid than do any of it, but. No, I'm just saying, like, I mean, I don't think, I'm not saying it's not overpriced. I'm just saying that I completely understand why it's more to go in the Chelsea bit than it is the Brentford bit. I totally understand that. It's the same all round the ground. Why do you not, if you had the opportunity, would you buy, that's a good example. If you had the opportunity, Chelsea-Brentford, 28th of October, if you had the opportunity to go in the shed lower with the Brentford fans for £30, or you had the choice to go up and sit in your little Westview bit for 50, 60, 70 pounds, what would you do? Don't be botanic, tell me the truth. Would you go and sit with the Brentford fans for 30 pounds, or would you pay double to go and sit in the Chelsea bit where you sit every, every time you go? I like Westview's view of the game. All right, then. Where would you rather sit with the Brentford fans or in the Matthew Arden lower? Matthew Arden lower. Would you... Right. So you wouldn't pay more to sit with the Chelsea players than you would to sit with the Brentford players, but you'd pay more to sit with the Chelsea fans. No, than you I'm not Brentford saying fans. I wouldn't. I'm just saying I don't agree with the difference in the price that you've got two dugouts, but if you want to sit behind them, one is more expensive than the other. I don't get that. That is ridiculous. Because you're it's next just, to the Chelsea players. That's it doesn't. Why. No, but you're not going to speak to them. You're not going to go, oh, please... Please add me on Instagram. You're not going to do anything. That's of that. why you don't You're buy the. You're still going to be watching the game. You're not going to yeah. be having pictures with them or having tea and cakes with them. You're watching yeah, but, but, the game. But some, but some people have got enough money that they would pay to be that close to the players and to be on telly and to see them warm up and maybe get an autograph at the end of the game or whatever. People would pay for that, and people would rather pay the extra to do that next to the Chelsea players than they would the Brentford players. So the club can charge more in the same way they can charge you us more for tickets. They can charge us more for a stadium. Probably. <laughs> and they charge us more. For, they probably charge more at Stamford Bridge for a stadium tour than they do at Brentford because there's a lot more to show them at Stamford Bridge. Well, of course there is. Yeah. So that's I should principle. know because I've done the tour. <laughs> it's, the same, it's, the same, it's the same. It's the same principle then. Either way, as you said, and we can agree on this, it is overpriced. It is massively yeah, expensive. There you go. Football is overpriced. I've batted it out <clears> to <throat> safety. So, 
We are in a good mood, which is why we was off on a tangent and decided to talk about Club Chelsea tickets again. But we thank you to everyone who has subscribed and followed us throughout the terms that we have been involved with the show. We appreciate every single one of you liking our player interviews. We've got some more upcoming between now and Christmas. We are working our fingers to the bone, literally, on trying to get Chelsea's players from the last 60 years to come on the show so if you like what you have heard find us on facebook at facebook.com slash the blue day podcast be part of the movement where we have over fourteen thousand followers on facebook so join in today find us on instagram at the blue day podcast where you, we will upload many various contents especially over the course of the next few months find us on x at the, the Blue Day pod as well. Do not forget that. You can also download us on Amazon Music. We are on there as well. And you can find us on YouTube as well. Type in that, the Blue Day podcast, and you will find us from there. Warren, any last things before we sign off today? No, looking uh, looking forward to Burnley. Looking forward to... Uh, I'm, I am looking forward to the challenge of the after the international period. I think it's going to be a really... I think there's going to be some tough moments in there. But, yeah, I think it's... For, for me, the future looks the same as it did before yesterday because I could recognise what they were trying to do. So I'm behind that. And, yeah, when I lose out the blues. Couldn't have put it better myself. One last little plug before I piss off. If you fancy getting the new Chelsea shirt with the new sponsor on it or you fancy getting some Chelsea merch, find us... Or you can contact us at the Blue Day Podcast at gmail.com and we will sort you out links to, to get you this particular merchandise. But I'm going to finally sign off and piss off. So I have been Keith Lawrence. He's been Warren. Keep the blue flag flying, folks. Stay safe and carefree. 